You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 292. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and I'm very excited because today on the on the podcast, I have my friend Kendra Hennessy. She is the founder and owner of Mother Like a Boss. Side note, isn't that like the best name? <laughs> I just love the her brand name. Uh, but we have a fantastic conversation, one that needs to be had around cleaning, routines, boundaries, self-care and removing judgment when it comes to you and your home and the cleanliness of it. So one of the things that I love about Kendra, and you'll see this very quickly in the episode, is that she is known for teaching about cleaning and routines. So if you go to her Instagram, you'll learn a lot about cleaning and um, how to have a clean house and how to build routines and things like that. But But she doesn't just stop there. She goes a lot deeper with it. And you'll see that in the episode as we go beyond just how to clean your kitchen into uh, our relationship that we have with cleanliness, um, the judgments that sometimes come up when we have not a clean house, how a lot of times we sabotage ourselves in, in when we are trying to keep things clean or, or create routines and how we get into overwhelm and how we have a, a, a lot of all or nothing thinking when it comes to cleaning. So it's a really fun conversation because a lot of the same themes that I touch on in Macros 101 or in my coaching or in here on the podcast show up in this other realm of cleaning. And it's just, it's such a fun experience to be able to hear somebody else talk about not judging yourself in a realm that's totally outside the realm of fitness. Cause that's something that I teach a lot. Um, same thing with like breaking through overwhelm. You know, it's just fun to hear it in a completely different context. So Kendra's phenomenal. She tells it like it is. Uh, she's uh, one of my favorite people on Instagram because of her ability to just say it how it is. And I really think that you're going to love this episode. So let's jump into the interview with Kendra. We'll go dive in. All right. I am super excited to invite my friend uh, and fellow podcaster Kendra onto the podcast. Kendra, thanks for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. That was such a great text message to get when you asked me to come on. I was like, absolutely. I would love to come on the podcast. Oh my gosh. So I was telling Kendra before we hit record that uh, I just love listening to her and I love listening to her stories because she's one of these people who just like, well, freaking say it as it is. And just like <laughs> all, all truth bombs all the time. So this is going to be a fantastic conversation because I know Kendra is like not going to hold back. She's just going to, she's going to share all of her wisdom with us today. <laughs> I am going to try. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that that can be a good thing. Cause I think when I was younger, I always thought like, Oh, I shouldn't say the truth. I shouldn't say how it is. Cause you know, of the way that girls kind of dent, it always felt bossy or something. And For now sure. I'm like, I make my living doing this now. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I have a, I have a free pass to do exactly. It. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for people who are just now getting introduced to you, tell us a little bit about you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kendra Hennessy. I'm the founder of Mother Like a Boss. And uh, what I, I tell people I do is that I make house cleaning more doable for regular moms so that you're spending less time tidying your space, space and more time actually enjoying your life. So I'm very passionate about teaching folks out there all the cleaning and sort of home management skills that you didn't learn growing up. But the the thing that that really is most important to me is that it's done from a very non-judgmental place in a very very understanding and compassion-based place because I am all about bringing a lot of neutrality to cleaning. I'm a big believer in that cleaning is a neutral act. It's just a thing we do. We are people that observe messes. We are not messes ourselves. And so if you can learn skills and methods that make cleaning and managing your home much easier, um, then all of a sudden... It becomes, uh, it, it becomes easier for you to just manage those day to day things. And you're not also, uh, feeding into the, the tropes of what it means to have a messy house or a clean house or anything like that. So we really kind of come from a very judge, non judgmental space of just neutral, uh, methodology of managing your home. So I that's like- kind of what we do at Mother Like a Boss. I feel like there's like so much to unpack there that we could like spend like so much time just on this idea of like, that's a mess, not I am a mess of like yep. identifying with our home. Um, I think that like there's so much there and so much programming that happens that we do start to internalize messaging around our home is a reflection of us and messes are a reflection of us. And I know as a young mother, when I was up to my, you know, neck in babies and yep. messes and things like it, it weighs on you of like this expectation of how your home is supposed to be. So one of the things that I love about Kendra, it's like, yeah, I could invite a cleaning expert to come on <laughs> and just talk about like what laundry detergent to use. But sure. what I love about how Kendra approaches that is it's much more holistic and it's like a deeper dive into why we do what we do, how we can break free from some of these, these um, unhealthy patterns that we get into. And that's really what we're going to kind of cover today. Um, will you give us a little background? Like, I I like want to say this nicely, but why do you have any, um, why are you telling people how to clean their house? Like what credentials do you have? What why should people listen to me? Why should people listen to you, Kendra? Yes. Yes. That's a great question. And I say that a lot. I'm like, why should you listen to me? I'm not just someone that like showed up on the scene yesterday and I'm like, I'll just teach right. you how to clean. And in fact, not to throw any shade, but this is an actual problem that I'm trying to help people with too, is that now with TikTok, we're seeing a lot of this clean talk of people giving really bad and dangerous advice to people, like dangerous, bad advice that can actually do damage to themselves or their home. So that's like, now I'm trying to undo some of that. Uh, So flashing back many years, uh, I went to college and I, in my last semester, I dropped out. At the time, I didn't think I was dropping out. I thought I was just taking Taking a break, which a lot of people do. (laughs) I'm just, just taking a break because I realized I did not want to go into teaching like I thought I did. And so I was trying to find my way. And uh, a friend of mine had a neighbor that had just moved there and and had a cleaning business where she lived like 20 minutes away. And she was trying to then kind of like start it more here, uh, bring some, you know, have clientele in this area. And she needed someone to work with her. And I was like, well, I like cleaning. I'm good at cleaning. I've always been kind of like, I was always that kid that like liked helping their friends clean their rooms and stuff. So I thought this will be a good thing for me to do to just make some money. I was also waitressing just for the next couple of months till I figure out how, what I'm going to do when I go back to college. And I did that for a while and I loved it. I really enjoyed doing it. 
I learned a lot from this woman I was working with and she had a chronic illness and she just realized like this wasn't something that she could be doing a lot. And so I kind of just took over and started my own cleaning business. Like I put it under my name and did all the businessy things. And this was back in 2006. Now, what I didn't say is that I also was pregnant at the time. <laughs> so it all happened at the, I did not intend to start a business. I also did not tend to intend to have a baby. My husband and I got engaged about four months later, I found out I was pregnant. Sometimes these things happen. So it all sort of happened at the same time. Um, and which, which was great. And in hindsight, it taught me a lot. So I ran the cleaning business for many years. And what was great is that back then, we didn't have YouTube and social media and all of that stuff. So I thought I was really good at cleaning. And then I realized as I was doing my cleaning business, I'm like, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And things were taking me way longer. And so I started to do a lot more research. And I got on like cleaning forums. And I got on cleaning business forums. And I was learning tactics and methods and what to use and what not to use and why to use certain things and why not to use. And like all I was doing so much research and then testing things and doing things in my own home and learn, even learning things from clients that like they would use a product. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, why do you do that? And just developing that over time. And so I did that for 11 years. So I was cleaning. We also did a ton of cleanouts. So um, like residential, you know, uh, a, a lot. We live in like a, a very, in the summer, it's a touristy area. So we did a lot of like weekly turnarounds of, of cleaning and we live near the Navy housing. So I had hundreds and hundreds of cleanouts there. So the whole point being that I learned a lot and I got really good at it and I became fast and efficient and effective and so that's where my education comes from was that I literally ran a cleaning business and also I'm a mom. So right now I have a 16 year old and a 10 year old. So, uh, you know, I, I was also then at home cleaning my own house, managing my own house, running a business and had kids. So then that's sort of where the mother like a boss part came in after I, you know, when I started mother like a boss in 2016. It was merging those two things together. Like the cleaning is great, but if you can learn how to clean, but if you're also tending to all of the other things in your life, the kids running a business, a job, your spouse or partner work, I mean, so much of the other stuff, I wanted it to be, as you said, holistic. So it was the methods that you can learn. I mean, you can learn that anywhere. You can go on YouTube and and just search how to clean the kitchen. Well, you can get a lot of answers for that, but how do I incorporate that in my day-to-day life? How do I shift my mindset around what it even means to have a clean kitchen? How do I not care when there are messes? How do I decide what's important to me to even clean? All of that stuff. So that's kind of where my expertise lies. So good. That's so good. So you touched on something that I would love for you to elaborate on, and that is, you know, as moms, as uh, people who clean our own houses, uh, it can often feel like, it never ends. Like yeah. it, it, it is a mountain without a top. It can feel overwhelming and just like, it's never going to end. Like things yeah. are always going to get dirty. <laughs> things are always going to need to be clean. And that can be a hard thing to swallow um, sometimes. So how do we adopt a realistic approach that doesn't feel super stressful, doesn't feel like we're on this treadmill that's never going to stop and get some satisfaction out of a thing that never will end. <laughs> yeah. And I, this is one of those things that I've mulled over for years and years. And the answer lies within the question mm. because the truth is that cleaning is a process, not a project. 
And when you start to adopt that mindset of this is a process, this is maintenance. Mm -hmm. I am going to maintain that. And I know that you talk about that in your own business too, that everyone approaches even like weight loss and nutrition as this like one and done. I just do it. If you (laughs) Can you just tell me how to do this in six months? Then I never have to worry about it again. And it's like, no, there are different things. There are times where you're going to be focusing on maybe spring cleaning your house and you're going to do it all. But guess what? That's only going to last so long and then you're going to have to maintain it. So the answer a lot of times is in the shift in thinking and recognizing that this is a process. It's not a project that I have to... I I have to do all the time. And I often say to my students, like the fact that I know that there's always going to be another thing to clean now is freeing to me. It's Mm -hmm. a very freeing thought because I don't focus on it being all done. I just go, I'm going to focus on the priorities right now. And there are ways to do that. And I talk about, you know, having a really good routine is really the crux of it is having a realistic routine that works for you in your season of life. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the overwhelm comes from the fact that we are always viewing things from like, I am obligated to have a a spotless home all the time. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not all clean at the same time, then it's not even worth doing at all mm-hmm. versus, well, this is a, this is maintenance and I'm going to have to continue to do this and letting that be a little bit freeing. That's just a simple shift. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do we start to let go of feeling like our home is a reflection of us? Because I think, I mean, I think that's what you're speaking to is this idea is like, if my home's not all clean at the same time, then if people come into my home or visitors come, it's a reflection of me and they're going to think, I'm a bad housekeeper. They're going to think I'm a bad mom. They're going to think I'm sloppy and whatever judgments come up. So how do we let go of that, that connection that we have to our, our living space? Yeah, this is, so I actually think that there's, there's a part of me that would almost want to say that your home should be a reflection of you, but not in the way you think. Mm. So a lot of times we're trying to project what it, our home that it's supposed to look a certain way it's supposed to be a certain way versus allowing your home to be a reflection of your priorities mm-hmm. so what i mean by that is you know we have students sometimes that that have said like we really really love doing just like projects in our home just just craft projects and art and we homeschool and i always feel like i shouldn't have this stuff all over the place cuz that's kind of cluttered and i'm like but that's your priority. Your value lies in the fact that you have uh, these these bookcases full of you know little cubbies that you can, your kids can always pull up because that's a value of yours. If I came into your home and took all of that away and instead put some really nice Wayfair furniture in there, well, that might look nice, but is that serving you? Is that really a reflection of you and your values and your priorities? No. What people often do is they they think that they're supposed to project a version of themselves that is palatable to someone else. Mm, that's good. You know, and so my truth bomby thing is to say, stop inviting people over to your house that have judgments about your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, stop, yes. Stop inviting people over. They don't belong in your in your home. This is my home. And if that's you right. have a judgment about it, you can go to your own home. <laughs> that's right. No, that's so good. It is so true though. Um, I yeah, I love that reframe. Uh okay, so. For the never-ending household chores that we yeah. have and the cleaning, um, I know people are always looking for hacks and tips and yeah. things to like make it manageable and feel like you can get things done in a short amount of time and you don't have to spend all of your day cleaning. So do you have three like 
super tangible hacks that people could use to be able to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to actually put this into practice. Kendra taught me this. I'm going to put it into practice and, and see how it goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, hacks being more like methods because yes. a lot of times people will, they'll go searching for hacks on like Pinterest. Cause that's like the big thing now is like, right. you know, hacks for everything, laundry hacks. And it's like, well, the, the best laundry hack is to like do your laundry. Like the best <laughs> hack, like you can, you can get a better laundry system. You can get a better laundry, a hamper. Like people are always looking for like the thing. And it's like, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you don't put your clothes in the washing machine, it's not going to do okay. your laundry for you. So um, for me, the, I, kind of narrowed down three things that I am always uh, telling my audience. The first one is create a routine around the life you have instead of around uh, trying to fit your, your life into your routine. So what a lot of people do is they go online and they search like cleaning routine for stay at home mom. And they think I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this printable. I'm going to buy it from Etsy. I'm going to download it for free, whatever it is. And then they try to squeeze that routine into their, or I'm sorry, they try to yeah, squeeze that into their life. They try to take their life and they take this printable and they go, I'm going to jam my life right into this routine. As if every stay-at-home mom is exactly the same. Correct. (laughs) As if everyone's schedule is the same. As if everyone's home is the same. As if everyone's like energy levels are the same or capabilities are the same. And so what I am a huge promoter of is creating routines around the life you already have. Mm. And it is such a, a, a small thing, but your cleaning routine can literally be five minutes at a time. The greatest cleaning hack, the greatest hack that I have for people is to do things five minutes at a time. Just set a timer for five minutes and do it because what a lot of times we're waiting for, and I know many of us, and I I fall victim to this too, is I'm like, well, I don't have an hour, Mm -hmm. so I'll do nothing. Like I'm sure people do that with working out, right? There's so many hours to work out. I'm (laughs) not going to work out at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I do that sometimes. I'm like, well, I only have a half an hour and uh, I really should do like 45 minutes. So I guess I'll do no minutes. I yeah, guess that's right. the answer. Sounds better in my mind. <laughs> it's better in my mind. Oh, wait until I have that time. Well, you're never going to have that time. So creating the routine around the life you already have versus trying to squeeze your life into a pre-made routine really is good. is the is number one hack that I have. Um, the second one is to keep your supplies where you use them. This is the simplest cleaning hack that I have had more people message me over the years and be like, this changed my life. It changed the way that I did things. A lot of us grew up in an era where your like cleaning supplies stayed in one space in your house. Like for me, when I was growing up, it was under the sink, under the kitchen sink. That's where there was like a bucket of cleaning supplies, right? Or laundry room. Well, the problem with that is I'm going to take you through a, a quick scenario. Say you're upstairs in your bathroom and you're like, you know what? I got a few minutes. You're, you're like, hi, listen to that, that uh, podcast episodes. And I'm going to take Kendra's advice. I'm going to clean for five minutes. I'm just going to clean the vanity. But you're like, crap, I don't have the cleaning stuff. It's downstairs. What is going to happen in the time it takes you to walk from your bathroom upstairs to the kitchen? You're going to find something else to do. You're going to get lost. You're going to start scrolling on your phone. It's like, anything else, but actually get that thing and go back to, I'm going to make myself a snack. Yeah. I'm going to notice <laughs> the something kids are going to need something like yes. yeah, you're not going back. <laughs> yes. So 
set yourself up for success by keeping supplies where you use them. So an example of this is in each bathroom in our house, we have three bathrooms in our house. I just keep a couple of things. I keep, you know, whatever I'm using to clean. So it's an all purpose cleaner. I leave some rags. I leave a magic eraser and I leave some glass cleaner, something like that. I have that in every bathroom. And then you can also do it uh, floor by floor. So if you have, say, a two-story home, you could keep dust supplies upstairs and downstairs. You don't have to keep each individual thing you use in every single room of your house, but more in the sections of where you use them. Uh, we have like we have all hardwood floors throughout our house. So I have, you know, a, a Swiffer dust floor cleaner upstairs and downstairs. So that when I see oh, I need to clean my floors upstairs. I just do it real quick. It takes me five minutes, but I know myself and if I have to walk downstairs, I will get distracted by something or I will lose in the 60 seconds it takes me to do that. I'll lose momentum. Yeah, <laughs> I will that's, lose, that's I'll true. be like, forget it. I'm not going to do that. So keeping your supplies where you use them is that's a good. game changer. That's super good. Yeah. Okay, number three. Number three, Um, get rid of more of your stuff. Mm declutter um, as much as possible. I know that that's a separate beast in and of itself. Decluttering and editing is what I call it uh, more than decluttering just because it puts more of a positive spin on it. (laughs) Um, That is separate than cleaning. So even just the definitions, like cleaning is the removal of dust, debris, or dirt. Like that's what cleaning is. Decluttering is kind of the removal of, of your stuff. But the less stuff you have, the less you have to clean. And when I was cleaning people's houses the people that had more clutter, it took me sometimes twice as long to clean their house, which meant Mm. they were spending more money just for me to work around their stuff. Mm. But the houses that had less stuff, if you think of a countertop, a countertop that has less stuff can be cleaned pretty quickly. A countertop that has stuff all over it, you have to move things, you have to put things away, you have to maneuver. It just takes longer. So it's uh, get incorporating editing into your, even into your cleaning routines, which is what I advocate people doing, uh, can really save you a lot of time over time. That's really good. I love those. Those are yeah. awesome. I'm definitely, Thank you. I'm going to, I'm with you with the like, if I have to go down the stairs and come back up the stairs, it's just not yeah. going to happen. So I like yeah. the idea of having things on two levels because I don't know, the stairs are just like a boundary. I'm like, not going to come back. I'm not going to come back up those stairs. Yeah. You feel like you've entered another world. That's I feel right. like when I leave my upstairs or my downstairs, I have now come into a different world and my set of priorities have completely changed. Mm-hmm. So if I just have it right there, it's it's so easy for me to just grab something and, and clean it really quick. That's why I say it's so easy for me to clean my bathroom like twice a week. People are like, oh my gosh, I don't clean my bathroom twice a week. I'm like, you don't have to. But if I notice there's stuff, I have long hair. If I notice there's a bunch of hair on the vanity, it takes me 60 seconds to clean that off. Versus if I had to go get the stuff for it, it wouldn't happen anyway. It wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. One of the things that you talk a lot about, and I think is something that will be really awesome for my audience, and I think it, women in general, we really suck at this. Yeah. Um, and so I'd love to talk about setting boundaries because mm. I think that is essential for our well-being. It's well essential for our mental health, especially as as women and especially as mothers. And yet I find so many women resistant to self-care and setting boundaries. So I want to talk about both. They're, they're a little yeah. bit different. So how do we set boundaries to be able to prioritize ourselves and avoid the inevitable burnout that comes when we don't set boundaries? Yeah, this uh I love this topic because I love the I love the topic of boundaries. This is something that um in my own life I 
I thought that I had really good boundaries. And then I realized as, you know, in adulthood, as one gets older, like, oh, I don't think I have as good boundaries as I thought that I did. So something I think is the first thing to do, and it may sound silly, but it's decide the boundaries you actually want and need. It's kind of like setting goals where it's like a lot of people skip that step. (laughs) They even, they skip the step of even asking, what do I want? What do I want? What are what are the areas that I even want to set boundaries in? You know, if it's, if it's with family, if it's with friends, if it's with yourself, I know that's where I struggle the most is boundaries with myself. I'm really good at kind of setting boundaries with my children at this point, but it's the setting boundaries with myself. Sometimes that's difficult. Um, so it's can really, I, can I pause yeah. you there? Cause yeah. I want, I want to hear from you. How do you know when you need to set a boundary? Like what is an indication Ooh. to you that like, mm-hmm. here's a place that I need to set a boundary, whether it's with your kids or yourself or your spouse or who family, whatever. I want to know what that indication is to you. Cause I think sometimes women even struggle like yeah. knowing where to set a boundary because they don't know what the indication should be that a boundary is needed here. Sure. For me, the number one emotion that I feel that I lean into is resentment. Yeah. If I start feeling resentful, that is an automatic, like, ooh, this should have been a boundary. boundary Almost like this should have been a no. Mm -hmm. You know, if if, think about it, um, we all have been in the situation where we've been, something has been asked of us. Uh, We've been asked to do something for someone else. It could be that. And uh, you reluctantly say yes. Mm-hmm. You, you in, you're like, mm, I really don't want to say yes, but you're like, okay, yeah. And the second you say yes, <laughs> you're like, why did I say yes? Why did I say yes? <laughs> How can I get out of this? How, right. And so to me, and, and that also, that's not only momentarily, but it can happen over time. So if you lack boundaries with say your mom, you know, then that's something that can that can brew that resentment over time. So that almost like each interaction you have with that person, it's like that resentment is coming up uh, in in that situation. So like every time they text you, you're feeling resentful because there's not a boundary in place. And when we start to like feel resentful, we also start to then blame the other person. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, they can't honor or respect a boundary they don't know exists. If they don't know that that boundary is even in place, how would they know to respect it or not respect it? Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I I am sure there are other answers, but for me, the indicator is is resentment. I know that that's a place I need to dig in and kind of create a boundary uh, when I feel resentful. Is that the same for when you need to create a boundary with yourself? Yes. um, I think um, for me, because my self-sabotage, my like, top self-sabotage of all time is avoidance. Mm. So when I'm starting to feel very avoidant of something, I realize that there is probably a boundary in place either with time or energy that I need to put into place because Mm, it's usually some kind, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that too, but that's usually for boundary with myself is avoidance because I know that uh, that is my self-sabotage. Oh, that's is, good. I'll just avoid it. <laughs> yeah. So, so knowing yourself of like, where, how do you typically self-sabotage can be yeah. an indication that, Hey, maybe there's something to look a little closer here. Maybe it's the boundary that yes. needs to be put in place. Yeah, um, absolutely. So how, how do we, how do we do that? So we have identified, mm-hmm. Hey, maybe I'm feeling some resentment, maybe a yeah. boundary is needed, but for someone who feels like they've never created boundaries. And I, I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of women who have literally never created a boundary in their life. Yep. How, how do we walk them through effectively setting that boundary so that they can maintain their sanity and their inner peace? Yeah. I think that, um, much like a lot of other answers out there, it's to smart, start really small 
you know, much like a lot of things, we're we're always like wanting to jump in like head first. Like, well, I don't have any boundaries. So I'm going to go from no boundaries to like being the boundary queen. <laughs> and that's like a huge jump. So how about we try just saying no to one thing, like one small thing that where maybe the, the stakes are not very high, yeah. you know, just something like really simple, like a request that somebody has of you. Um, it's also maybe to I think that the greatest place to start is with a trusted person in your life. Mm -hmm. So like if I were struggling with that, it might be like my sister who's my best friend and she also respects me and honors me. I trust her. So that might be a place where I might start that because I know that there's really not going to be pushback because she respects my boundaries. But say there's someone else in my life who does not tend to honor or respect other people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that might be like a, that might be a next step to like go level to level ten. <laughs> yes, that's like we're building up here. Yeah. I think another part of this too is understanding before you even go into it that there are going to be people who don't like your boundaries. But right. one of my favorite quotes that I've heard said in many different ways is that uh, the people who are going to get the most mad about your boundaries are the people that need it the most. Sure. Because, for instance. If I have someone in my life that I respect and they sort of set a boundary with me, uh, with and, and we can even talk about like what boundaries are. But if I ask them to do something, if I ask them for something and they're like, oh, I actually am not available to do that, they know that I'm not going to be like, you never do anything for me. You know, like it's, you're so selfish. Like I'm going to go, oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for answering. And that's going to, like, we're going to be on our way. But someone that doesn't, you're going to say that to, and they might have those reactions and re- realizing that that doesn't mean you should have said yes. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest problems part. with boundaries is that when people get pushback, they automatically think they were wrong. Ooh, I shouldn't have done that. No, actually that's an indication you should have. Yes. Cause that's, that's an good. indication that there's a lot of, of struggle within either that interpersonal relationship or in that situation. Um, and, a big part of this is recognizing that uh, other people's emotions are theirs to manage and they are not ours to manage, um, especially disappointment. Because a lot of times boundaries and disappointment go hand in hand, yeah. um, kind of like the resentment. And um, for me, it's I had to learn that it's not my job to make other people happy and it's not my job to micromanage their emotions. And people are allowed to feel disappointed. Sometimes we say no and they are disappointed. And both of those things are allowed to exist at the same time. People say no to me sometimes and I'm disappointed. It doesn't mean they should have said yes. Right. That's a, such a such an important distinction. Uh, Brene Brown says that boundaries are the distance which I can love both you and me simultaneously. And I yes. love that ex- explanation yes. because it is, it is a, um, an, a distance that needs to happen so that I don't have to self-betray and, and I can love you. Like I can love you better at XYZ distance and I can continue to love myself because what happens for a lot of people pleasers is they don't set boundaries because they want to love other people and they think it's more lovable to not have boundaries, but at the cost of self-betrayal. And, yes. and then it, that's not a healthy relationship either. So I, I love that, that um, explanation of boundaries by Queen Brene. Oh my gosh, Brene, that, that is, that is the best quote. I love that when she said that, I was like, that's exactly what it is because a lot of times people, and I had to explain this to a couple of people, like people see boundaries as like a, a, like a really tall, like wall, like an impenetrable wall. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, your boundaries, I mean, we have 
picket fences around our yards. Yeah. Those are boundaries. <laughs> sure. doesn't mean someone could hop over it. You know yeah. what I mean? But it, it creates sort of a visual boundary of, of a space. Yeah. And so your boundaries with different people are going to look different. Like my boundaries with my husband are going to look very bit different than my boundaries with my daughter sure. or my boundaries with my sister. Like they're all going to look a little bit different. And, uh, and it also depends on like the, the trust factor too. And something I do want to say about people pleasing, cause I know that this comes up a lot and around boundaries and mom guilt and all of that stuff is like, there, there is a really tough truth to people pleasing and that it is often, it has nothing to do with other people mm-hmm. because people pleasing is very often about avoiding discomfort. I want to make you happy and I not necessarily because I want to make you happy, but because I don't want you to be unhappy with me. Because if you're unhappy with me, then I have to deal with the confrontation and the discomfort of how that makes me feel. So notice how many times I said me and yeah. not you. In that situation, but yeah. we, we view people pleasing as like, no, I can't have boundaries because then I, I'm not pleasing them. And I'm like, but you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. So you're avoiding the discomfort of how you will feel in that situation. Um, and that was, that was a big one for me learning yeah, is being like, well, am I really a people pleaser or am I really a me pleaser? Just I'm using <laughs> other people as the reason because I'm trying to avoid again, avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> discomfort. That's that's super good. Really, really insightful. Um, so in a society that really, I feel like we're told in so many ways that especially as moms, that we should prioritize everybody else's happiness, mostly our children's and our spouses above our own. And that makes us a good mom, right? That's the hallmark of a good mom is like the selfless woman who just gives everything for everybody else. How do we start to prioritize self-care and boundaries and things that we need to be healthy ourselves? I think so many women struggle with that guilt, that mom guilt of feeling like I can't do anything for myself because it means I'm taking from my children. And that idea of, again, wanting to be selfless, wanting to give to everybody else. How do we start to help moms to break free of that? Yeah, I... Uh, I think that uh, one of the biggest parts of this is realizing that it's not a zero sum game. It's not like if I take care of myself, then I'm not taking care of my children. Right. Um, and in fact, we all know the the trope of like, fill your cup so you can pour to other people. Right. And I'm like, but why don't you fill your cup just because you're worthy of having a full cup? Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm worthy of having a full cup, even if that doesn't pour over to other people. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everybody is responsible for pouring into their own cup. Now, as a mother, it is my responsibility to create a safe and empowering, good, healthy environment for my children and also teach them how to pour into their own cups. And I love that my kids watch their mother take care of of herself, especially especially as the mom of a daughter and knowing that if she gets older and chooses to have children or not, but even a woman in a society that that doesn't have children, knowing like, you know what? I saw my mom really take care of, of herself and take, take care of her needs and set boundaries and say no when things didn't, you know, when, when things didn't go in the direction of her values. And I'm, I know that I can do the same, but often we're kind of passing that same thing down. Like the selfless mom, the mom that doesn't eat any food until anyone else has eaten. She eats cold food and stuff. And it's like, but then we're just passing that same thing down to our children. And that's not helpful. I also think that, um, we have to choose self-care that feels good for us mm-hmm. because self-care is going to look different for each person. 
Um, you know, self-care isn't always about the really, really fun, good things like taking a bath or getting a manicure. Like those can be great, but self-care can also mean going to therapy. Mm-hmm. It can also be the difficult things we do, but they are caring for ourselves. And overall, they will make such a huge impact. So each person, I think, realizing like, what does self-care look like for me? What would help me to feel better? Is it a timeout? Is it like a time away? Is it, uh, yeah, is it those like fun, really nourishing things that I do for my body? Is it nourishing things I do for my soul? Yeah. Choosing what works for you. Gosh, I just want to like say amen to the like, when you said, why can't I just fill my cup because I'm worthy of having a full cup? Not because mm-hmm. I like have to pour into other people. I just think that that is such a, such an important reframe because I think it's, it's sneaky in the way that we use that uh, analogy, which I'm sure most people have heard. We use sure. that analogy as still an enabling way to say that your most important thing is to pour into other people. But in yes. order to do that, you have to pour into yourself. But it's so it's still sneaky that the end sum is to then pour into other people. And I'm not saying that we we shouldn't be helpful and good citizens no. and like be good to other people. Like that I'm not that's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. But you are worthy to have a full cup, even if you don't choose to pour into anybody else. And I think that's sure. a missing piece for a lot of a lot of women. So man, I want all the amens. Oh, well, thank you. All yes, that that's I I do it is so sneaky. You're right. That's the word. It's very sneaky because again, it makes it sound like it's all about you, but it's not. And the, the interesting irony there is that when I am able to fill my own cup, so to speak, when I am able to care for my mind, body, spirit, um, for me, I am, I am a way better mom, way better wife, Mm -hmm. way better friend and business owner and citizen in this world because I feel full. You know, it it almost reminds me of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs where it's like, but when you are, when, when you're not like fed, you know, when your basic physiological needs aren't met, you can't get to self-actualization. You literally can't think because your belly is hungry. Mm-hmm. And the same goes a lot for just the, the way that we act in life. Like think of how it feels when you're a new mom and you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're just exhausted because you're not sleeping. Um, it, a lot of times like, we don't have any control over that because babies just don't sleep. But think about how we are literally doing that to ourselves for years and years and years after our babies and children are sleeping. We're just exhausting ourselves in other ways that we can control. And then we're not able to be our best self. We're not able to make really good choices. And I just, I would rather take care of myself and know that because I am, I am then passing that on in some way to other people and and being a better person for the people in my life. That's super good. That's really good. Uh, I know you are the queen of routines. And, uh, I, I, there's probably some people who are listening who struggle with routines and it feels really constrictive and they want to be a free spirit and all these things. And so sometimes I feel like hearing other people's routines at least like trigger something or can give us ideas. So what are some of your very favorite routines that just, that work for you? Not because they will work for somebody else, but because maybe it will spark an idea for someone of like, Oh, I've never tried that. Or maybe I could riff off of that a little bit. So what are your very favorite routines that work for you? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I do want to say too, that about routines, especially if there's people listening that are that like free spirit and Mm -hmm. no, I don't want to be restricted and stuff. We all have routine. Every single person in the world has routines. You just may not notice it. If you can predict what you're going to do, 
how, how you're going to do something tomorrow morning, you have a routine. Mm-hmm. I've often said chaos is a routine. You've just lost control of it. Like oh. if you are late to work every single day, that's guess your what, sister, <laughs> that's your routine. Like, and there's yeah. nothing, it's not judgmental. It's just a, it's like people will go, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. Like yeah. that is a routine. So the way I like to think of routines is like a palm tree where if you've seen a palm tree during a storm, it can sway but it doesn't come out of the ground. It's it's still rooted in there. Mm-hmm. And that's, I like my routines and the way that I teach them to be very flexible, very like that you can always kind of flex them a little bit, but they're there to support you. So one of my favorite routines is just having a nighttime routine, having something that I do each night or some things that I do each night that really set up my next day for success. Because we have this theory in in Mother Like a Boss of like your future self is a different person and always recognizing that person as like worthy of being set up for success, much like you would a friend. It's like if I knew my friend would, could be set up by me doing 10 minutes of work right now. I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. I'd be like, mm-hmm. of course I'm going to do 10 minutes of stuff to set up my friend. She's my buddy. I want her to be set up. We don't do that for ourselves. We're like, no, no, tomorrow morning me will be much more motivated. Be so motivated. <laughs> she won't. She's not only going to be not motivated. She's going to be angry that she, <laughs> you did not do this for her. So doing the, the stuff at night, I started doing that. I feel like I really leaned into that after I had my son my second, because I went through a lot of postpartum anxiety after him. Um, We were struggling more financially than ever before. And I had a six-year-old and now I had a new baby and just all these hormones. And I realized there was so much out of my control. And I started to do things at night, like just to set my next day up for success because it felt like control to me. It felt like in this out of control world, I could at least control everything I did at night. And that started the habit of like, oh, I can do that. Now, I, I had done that in younger years, but I feel like it wasn't as habitual. Mm. And now I still continue that. And my kids are 16 and 10. And I don't have to, I work from home. I don't have to set up a lot of the things I do. I could do it in the morning, but I love that we now have adopted this sort of as a family that we just set things up. My daughter does things now to set herself up for the next day. She comes home, she makes her lunch for the next day, puts it in the fridge. Like it's also that the next day is set up for success because the and the reason I choose the nighttime and many of your listeners will probably understand this is my evening is within my control but my morning often is not because my evening the only thing I'm up against is going to bed but in the morning you don't know how you're going to sleep at night you don't know how your kids are going to sleep at night you don't know if you're going to accidentally snooze through your alarm you don't like there's so much that you're up against in the morning you're more you're more tired but in the evening, I'm I'm so much more in control of that time period. And if the evening doesn't work for you, I often tell people to do it um, in the afternoon or right after they get home from work where they still have the momentum. Mm-hmm. Like get home. When your kids get home from school, packing their lunch for the next day immediately, filling their water bottles immediately, doing that stuff where you have the momentum already um, so that you're just doing it right then. So for me, it's the evening. For you, it might be right after school. But finding those, almost like those times where you're setting your future self up for success has been huge for me. And it might only take five minutes or so. It doesn't have to take very long. That's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned judgment a couple of times, and I'd love to hit on that mm-hmm. maybe as our, our last topic, because I, I think there's so much overlap in uh, a lot of the things that I teach around uh, food and 
food not Mm -hmm. being moral and removing judgment from yourself when you're eating. And a lot of times people find that really difficult to, if they've been judging themselves and the food that they eat in their body for so long, it's really hard to come back to a non-judgmental place. So I think a conversation around how we remove judgment, and in this case, you know, talking about judgment about our house or cleanliness of our house or or whatever, um, how do you help clients to get to a place of non-judgment when they've been conditioned in a lot of levels for a long time to feel judgmental about themselves and their house? Yeah, we do um, an exercise called the neutral observer, Mm. where you kind of walk into a room. So you can, your listeners, you can do this today. If there's an area of your house that you felt like is very overwhelming when you walk in. So say you've wanted to like clean out a playroom and you want to clean out the toys or there's an area that seems really messy and dirty and you haven't gotten into it. And every time you walk in, you're just all of a sudden the judgment starts like, I can't believe you still haven't done this. Like you're so lazy. Like, how do you, how are you not on top of this? Your mom would have had this done when you were a kid. Like all of those nasty thoughts that make you retreat, noticing things like a neutral observer would. So instead, so looking at a room and literally going, there are 10 books stacked up over there. That's a neutral observation. That is not, has nothing to do with a judgment. It's a person. What would a person walking in who, who had no emotion of judgment, what would they observe about this room? And what happens when we do that is now all of a sudden, if I see that there are dishes piled up in the sink, We'll see a neutral observer could say, oh, there's dishes in the sink, time to put them in the dishwasher, time to wash them, or I will wash those dishes in the sink at 5 p.m. Now we, it's just a neutral observation that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And this takes practice. It definitely is, is a practice, Mm -hmm. but I encourage people to do it with one small thing today. Maybe it's the dishes, maybe it's laundry, maybe it's just a mess that is left around that you've been like avoiding, like we all do is seeing it through the lens of observation, like how a, and I think I, I started to do this because as a house cleaner, a lot of people would tell me they were really scared to have me come and do an estimate, which we would do before I, I started cleaning because they were really embarrassed about the state of their home. And I always really tried to reassure them, I, my job is to help you. My job is not to offer judgment. That is the last thing you need. I am going to come in and I'm going to observe so that I can give you the best quote of how much it's going to be so that we can see if we're the right fit for one another, if I can help you, how long it's going to take. Just for my own schedule, I need to know how long it's going to take. But it's not done with a judgment of you as a person. It's an observation of the space. And that's where it started. And then I just started to do it in the teaching um, that I do now is to just see everything through like a neutral observer standpoint. That's so good. And I can imagine for a lot of women that it just takes the emotion out of the whole experience. It makes it less of an emotionally draining experience to be in your space, to clean your space, to interact with your space. And I, um, you're just dedicating less emotion to it. We can spend our emotion and energy and efforts elsewhere instead of beating ourselves up. about. Yeah. And I, like you said, with the food being like more, like we've moralized everything. Like our society has made everything a moral issue, a good or bad. Mm -hmm. Everything falls on this side of the spectrum or this side of the spectrum. When there is a full spectrum of things in between. And also it's not moral. It's, 
Because I feel the same way about food and especially Mm -hmm. as someone that struggled for so long with, you know, eating issues in my younger years um, because I grew up in the 90s and diet 90s diet culture with, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing people um, with diet culture and stuff. And I started to even say like with my son, it's like my son has food allergies. He has allergic to nuts. And it's like, so you can sit here and say like, well, nuts are good food, but they're not good to my son. Like that's such a silly word to use because mm-hmm. good to one person is not good to another. And the same goes for like so many things we do in our life. They're morally neutral, but we create this like moral, like it's it's good to have a clean home and it's bad to have a messy home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the two, it's not either or, it depends on, what your priorities are and what you yeah. care about. Yeah. 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 And then we take it one step further. It's not only bad to have a bad house, a, a, a not clean house, but then it means I'm bad. Right. Yes. I think that's what you're speaking to. Uh-huh. Like Then we internalize it and it, it not only is bad to have a clean house, but now I'm a slob. I'm messy. Yes. I'm unkempt. Like whatever, you know, judgments we start to place on ourselves. So it's not, uh-huh. even, it's not only that you think you're just judging the space, but then that judgment gets reflected back onto you for so many women, at least. Yep. Uh, and it's it's super damaging. Um, yes. Overall. Well, this is fantastic. I knew this was going to be a great conversation and you blew me away. So thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. Uh, tell people about your podcast. So if they're wanting to hear more about you and from you, that they can follow you and listen to your podcast as well. Yes. Yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast, then you know how to find podcasts. You can just go to the search and you can search for Mother Like a Boss and it will come right up. So it's Mother Like a Boss podcast. We have like 370. I don't know what we're at. Any, I've lost, I lost track a long time ago. Lots of episodes. It's so many episodes. There's a backlog of episodes that you can listen to on all of these topics. Um, so yeah, we come up with, with weekly episodes. So, um, you can go subscribe to that. And then I'm on Instagram at mother, like a boss. That's really the best place to follow along is the podcast and Instagram. Cause that's where I hang out the most. Yeah. And Kendra has lots of courses and helpful things that you can investigate as well to, if you want to learn to clean better, you want to learn to have better routines. Like she's your gal. She's going to help you out. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Kendra. Thank you for having me. I hope you are walking away from this episode with a few new nuggets of information in your head and maybe even some new tips that you're going to try out when it comes to creating routines and cleaning and you know finding something that works for you. I think I love Kendra's focus on this idea that there's not one right cleaning routine. There's not one right way to set up your household, but really leaning into who you are the you know space that you have right now, what you want to prioritize in your life, and then making that process work for you. I think I, I preach that all the time when it comes to creating a health and fitness plan. And the same thing applies when we're talking about creating a, a routine for your cleaning. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. 
And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.